Despite the seemingly relentless denial that consciousness is the prime directive that drives us and maybe the universe itself, physicist Nassim Haramein continues to pierce the veil beneath the surface of perception to show that what most call an epiphenomenon of the brain may actually be the primary driver of reality itself. But how do we fit into this equation of consciousness? From our connection to each other, to the universe, and to the field itself, the human fractal antenna is key to tapping the infinite well of information through the use and understanding of consciousness. In this interview filmed on location in Los Angeles at the 17th Annual Conscious Life Expo, Nassim shares some of his new discoveries while examining the behavior of the subatomic world, curious aspects of the information field as it relates to space-time, and most importantly, how consciousness regulates a complex, diverse matrix of information. Listen in now to what Nassim had to share. Nassim Hermine. Yes. I can't believe, sir, it's been two years since we last sat down, uh, not yes. in this very room, but in the, in the same building. Right. We're here at the Conscious Life Expo, of course, 17th Annual, and we were talking about brainlessness. Brainlessness, I'm still intrigued by your, your thesis, but also the facts that you were able to procure about uh, the fact that individuals are walking around this planet functioning pretty much normally without, with major parts of brain matter missing. Missing, yeah. So I'm tempted to go there again because you know you can't just do that in a, in a snapshot. Right. But I figured we take the conversation. And by the way, I'm going to encourage everyone to to make sure you listen to that chat we had a couple of years ago. We'll make sure to have a link. In the interim, however, let's talk about consciousness. Let's talk about the C word because that's where we left off. Uh, last, uh, not last year, two years ago. The C word the that C makes word. all the physicists uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Are they, so here we go. Here's my first question. Are they starting to relent on this denial a little bit since we last talked? Um, yeah. I mean, it's been ongoing for the last five, six years. I mean, when I first started presenting in physics, if you said the C word in a physics conference, I know that's what you're saying. The, yeah. That would be the end of everything you would be booted out mm. but now it's actually the cool thing to do so in the last few years mm. it's been you know mentioned by many well-known physicists people are working on it trying to understand you know where in physics would consciousness kind of come in because it's got to come in somewhere Absolutely. right yeah. because we're made out of atoms and the atoms make up our cells and so and then all of a sudden the cells become self-aware so like how does the how is that happening uh and you know that the general thought out there is that it's some kind of epiphenomena of the brain Still, well that's that's where they refuse to relent and we, no. we both know i think all of us know i think it's the we think it's the the base uh -huh. you in fact said let's see if i can quote you you said that it's uh Oh gosh, I don't know if I'll be able to find it. It's not just an important factor, it, it, it may be the factor in all of what we're doing here and how, how we're doing here. Yeah, so there's. I'll find the quote, by yeah. the way. <laughs> so there's articles that just emerge, like, that's good that you're asking that question. There's articles that just emerged a few weeks ago um, that were published in fairly, you know, decent uh, physics journal. 
uh, talking about the possibility that the universe as a whole is conscious. Yes. Um, so that consciousness is not like an epiphenomenon of the brain, but it's actually a fundamental function of the universe. Absolutely. And as a result, you know, the universe creates higher and higher level of complexity, and eventually the complexity gets to a level in which it becomes self-aware or individualized mm -hmm. in the relationship in its relationship to the rest of the universe. Mm -hmm. But and that's where lies the illusion because it becomes individualized it can easily assume that the rest of the universe is not conscious mm -hmm. you know it, it just sitting there going wow how did I get here <laughs> and who am I right uh -huh. but it doesn't necessarily follow that they would conclude that since you're conscious and since you're here and since you know, you have self-awareness that the rest of the universe does, right. right? Right. But then when you start to see it that way, it starts to make sense, right? You'd have information, right? Consciousness, like feedback and information in the structure of the universe. And as it produced higher and higher complex system, eventually the end result would be a being that has feedback, you know, self-awareness, can yeah. look back at the universe and self -organizing say... Self-organizing is what it sounds like. Right. Let's talk about panpsychism. Let's talk about panpsychism because I know that you have been talking... I think it's a good time to bring it up mm -hmm. because okay. there's a lot of talk. It was a... Uh, I think you had referenced an article by Olivia Goldhill mm -hmm. back in January. Uh, this a year ago, January, where she's reporting the idea that panpsychism, that literally all matter possesses some form of consciousness, mm -hmm. including inanimate objects, right. uh, is gaining some traction in academic circles. So it this is. falls right in there. Let's talk about that for a little bit, because I think it's directly related. Right, of course, yeah, because it's, that's that's what I was saying. If, if, if the end result is consciousness, mm -hmm. if the end result is self-awareness of, of anything, of anything. In, in the universe, then there must be some kind of thread, you know, of information that makes that possible, mm -hmm. right? That, that produces enough self-organizing systems, enough complexity, um, the, enough information flow, mm -hmm. right? So it, it would be like saying that you know, a computer does not require its main chips to run, right? Like, meaning, like, uh, or, or that it doesn't require power to run, right? So it needs power, mm -hmm. right? So if the power is coming from the universe, meaning, like, how does a system that's supposed to be random, that's supposed to go towards disorder, mm -hmm. right? That's supposed to have entropy, right? All of a sudden creates what could be easily described as neg entropy, right? Mm -hmm. Things are getting higher and higher in coherency, right. like a hundred trillion cells, you know, each right. made out of a hundred trillion atoms, right? That's a hundred trillion by a hundred trillion things that are self-organizing in a in a system that has you know i think it's like a thousand billion billion chemical mm. change every second right a million Why cell not? division a second and they and they all do the right thing 
at all moments, right? For like a whole lifetime. Uh, it does, if it gets confused at any time, right? Th th if it gets decoherent at any time, then y you'd fall apart. Like you'd have a but really bad day. But instead, what's happening? What's, yeah. Instead, instead, what's happening? Instead, it's continuously creating the right thing. Like in, in biological theory, we don't know why cells differentiate. We don't know, like, as the embryo is developing, we don't know why, like, all of a sudden it starts making a heart, a brain, a liver, you know. It knows what to do. So where is it getting that information? Where is it? Well, consciousness. Right. So, yeah. so there's a thread of information, clearly. Yeah. But it, only, it doesn't only do it in the embryo. It does it every second of the day. It continues to divide and your toe cells continue to make toe cells and your heart cells continue to make heart cells and your brain cells continue to make brain cells. And, and if they got confused about what they're supposed to do, like I said, you, you'd have a really bad day really quick. Yeah, right? agreed. There's so, something that, I'm sorry, continue. I have so many questions swimming in my head. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> so, so there's... Um, so, so there's, there's really two things. Is consciousness a fundamental principle of creation? Like meaning it's, it's in creation, it's in reality everywhere. Right. And the second question is, um, is the universe really random? Right? Meaning like, is it how the systems start to self-organize? Mm -hmm. And you can answer both of these questions. This is where, you know, I wrote papers on biophysics to describe this. You can answer both of these questions if you have information feedback in the structure. And, you know, you sit in nature everywhere. Nature is literally excellent at adapting to anything you throw at it, yeah, right? Absolutely. Because it has feedback mechanism mm -hmm. in such a way that it will start changing, you know, a tree will start changing how it orients its leaves. To the sunlight. To the sunlight, example, you know. To yeah. temperature. To temperature. To, You're absolutely right. Or yes. like a, a turtle that was a sea turtle takes to the land and it develops claws so that they can dig to get ants, you know, these kind of things is adaptation yes. based on changes in the local environment, right? That shows that the, the feedback is what's driving the complexity and the diversity of our world. Right. So feedback is fundamental. So maybe feedback is not just happening at the biological level, it's happening at the atomic level. No question. And, and maybe information is not something that's just present in the atoms, but information is present in the structure of space-time itself. Mm -hmm. And you know, since we saw each other last, there's something remarkable that has happened. Yes, tell us. And that is that some of the most prominent physicists in the world, people with Nobel Prizes, uh, have started to talk about space and time not being empty, not being void, but being full of information. That's right. Yeah, there, there is, that is starting to come out. That's fascinating. Just yeah. in the last uh, 24 or so months, yeah. Right. And it's remarkable because um, these people are, 
are talking about bringing back ether theory, you know, in a more modern way. Mm -hmm. You know, it would be more compatible to what we found so far. It would be, it's called vacuum fluctuation at the quantum scale, right? Or, and, and, and showing, like, like all of a sudden, when you do that, all of a sudden, a lot of things that you couldn't explain in physics, fall into place. yeah, they fall into place. Wow. So if space is full of information, and when it feeds back on itself, it produces coherency, uh -huh. then consciousness is really a feedback loop, right? That's what it seems like. Okay, so this would probably be the perfect time to sim to bring in what we what is loosely referred to as the field. Mm. The field. Right. What is the field? Is that the common thread that we and perhaps all uh, life, all consciousness is inextricably linked to? Is that where the information lies? Is that the repository? I think so. The ancient people had a name for it. Uh, certain cultures had names for it. Uh, in one culture, it was called the Akashic Record. Yes. You know, in other cultures, they had like mana. You know, they had, you know, all kinds of description of this fundamental field. You know, that was uh, described as something that permeates everything that's found everywhere and you know that and even the concept of god in religions you, when you ask you know religious people to describe god usually they give something very similar they say it's everywhere it knows everything omnipotent. It, omnipresent and omniscient mm -hmm. and and so on and it's the foundation creation of everything sure. right well you know this field kind of like obeys all these conditions the clues are ubiquitous throughout time throughout space throughout history throughout religion I have to come back full circle at this point, Nassim. Why this vehement denial among academicians when you have done, you know, I sing your praises all the time, but you have stellar people like yourself that are showing, even in the most fundamental of ways, using nature, I always say nature is more than a metaphor. It is a teacher. It is showing us that we are living in a universe that acts on purpose. Mm -hmm. Not by accident. Where's right. the vehement denial of the obvious coming from? Um, I don't want to make this too much of a sticking point. Right. But I think it's worth having a chat about for well, a Of course, two. yeah. I think it's uh, the problem is a historical problem. So you had very strong religious beliefs that used to run the world, right? And then science came along and wanted to divorce mm. from, you know, dogmatic views and and religious views mm -hmm. so it was critical for science at the time to say well we're gonna go with the start assumption that there is no gods right, right. and since there's no god organizing the universe the universe must be random right so it, it and that is the starting point from random dynamics then you get like these kind of like ways of matter clumping together and as it clumps together you know it creates certain force and yeah, the like force like the billiard ball like the, going in no, no particular direction no that's coherency. right yeah. yeah like the billiard ball with but with nobody playing right right <laughs> so so you know and so it was critical for them uh -huh. and, and even 
the loss of ether theory, which was present prior to Einstein, um, w was kind of too much of a reminder of an idea that there was a supreme, you know, force or a supreme thing that was running everything. It, too close to the idea of God, too close to religion. So, so it was as well stripped out, which, um, which uh, Einstein, and, and this is great in, in uh, Dr. Uh, Frank Wilczek uh, lecture, Nobel Prize winner in physics, mm -hmm called uh, the materiality of the vacuum. Mm -hmm. uh, he points out that, and, and correctly so, and, and, and it's an historic point that many, not only you know, laymen, but physicists miss. He, he points out that, uh, that Einstein changed his mind you know, mm -hmm. he first went with, okay, we'll get rid of the ether because we have space-time. But then he, 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 he reversed that later on in his life and, and clearly said um, that, that, that relativity is invalid without an ether, without an energy in the vacuum. But in any case, you know, so historically, it's been so critical for scientists to show no governing, overseeing governing right. principle, because hmm. it's too close to religion. It scares them. Isn't that amazing? If it's not random, the only option they could see is that there's a God, and they didn't want to go there. All because they want to deny that there's a God. S that some kind of divinity course. is occurring. Interesting. And, but there's, a, there's another option, which is there is information and feedback in space-time. You see, and and that third option, right, kind of gets rid of of the two misunderstanding. One, it's random. The other one, God, you know, is running the show, and it, it says, well, yeah, there's something running the show, but it's the it's the fundamental dynamics of information in in the universe, meaning that all things talking to each other, the, everything is singing together, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the symphony is the universe. And, and, and you can definitely equate that to a concept of God. It's just, it's not in a religious sense. So what if we just change the name to source? Right. Would that just annihilate the problem? It. Maybe it's just wordplay. As, should, as yeah. long as you can say okay, and you can write an equation saying source equals da 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 da, so and it comes it. out right. Yeah. And it does. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you can call it the vacuum fluctuations, you can call it source, you can call it, you know, information, fundamental field. We won't stand this too long. I think we all know full well that this is really more about an ego play uh, historically. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and so uh, let's hope that they will eventually relent. But it's, it is worth Comes uh, from bringing fear. it up. There you go. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So, so now we move into the field of psychology because that's also very interesting. And we'll, <laughs> we'll mm -hmm. leave that for now. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the human antenna. And mm -hmm. I, it's so funny because I, had, I, I misspoke, thought I did, and said fractal antenna, and you said the same thing. And that was the question I was going to ask you, because that's the name of your talk today, mm. Consciousness in the Human Antenna. And I mm. thought, hmm, I wonder if he is using that uh, uh, in comparison to, not in comparison to, meaning the fractal antenna. Mm -hmm. 
So sure. talk about that. What is the human antenna slash fractal antenna? Where is it within us and how do we use it? Okay, well, you know, so if you follow the thread of the information, mm -hmm. so I started to write early on from this concept of space-time is, first of all, space-time, if it's full of information, is that means it's not smooth. It means that, meaning that it's granular at the Planck scale, that is below the, the, the atomic scale, it's, it's like little Planck pixels, if you'd like. Um, and so, um, and, and, and so, and, and so I calculated, um, okay, well, how do these Planck pixel, if they, how do they arrange themselves? And when I calculated that, I got the right answer for the mass of the proton, the mass of the electron, you know, the forces. And right now, just three days ago, I published a paper that used the same equation for the mass of the universe. It gives the correct mass for the universe very precisely. Without the need of dark matter and dark energy, it gives the correct mm -hmm. answer. Unlike the standard model that's missing 96% the mass of the universe. And so, like, it's remarkable. I mean, from one scale of the proton all the way to, of an atom, all the way to the universe, it gives the correct answers. And uh, it just passed peer review. I'm super excited. You know, every time I meet with Nassim, every single time, I must be a good luck charm because you just, not <laughs> to cut you off, but two years ago when we sat down, there was another paper. I can't recall what it was, but I was familiar with it that had just passed peer review. Yes. So we're going to do this on a regular basis. I know, I know. You've got to <laughs> come and visit more often. Congratulations. Yeah. I think I'm having a deja vu. <laughs> that is fantastic. Wow. I'll have to write the papers faster. Yes, you do. Yeah. That's Congratulations. Kudos. Once Thank again. you. That's great. But um, basically, so so from that, and I know it's a long answer to your question, but it's a, it's a no, complex a question. Yeah. Um, so, so from that, you can imagine... Now, you can say, okay, the proton has the information, uh -huh. and it's exchanging with the field, and then as it exchanged with the field, it produced an electric field we call the electron, and those equations work out, and, and then as the electrons and the protons that makes up the atom um, uh, uh, do their thing, they become connected to others, right, to bond angles mm -hmm. and make molecules. Um, and that's because they're exchanging information across atoms, mm -hmm. right? And so now you're moving up in scales and then when the exchange of the molecules happen okay. at a certain rate, at a certain geometry, then they become connected together and they make a cell, right? So 100 trillion atoms make up a cell, and then the cell starts to communicate with other cells. Correct. Using, that, that part I understand. Okay. Using yeah. the field, and now 100 trillion cells are communicating, right? So imagine the complexity. Mm -hmm. Now you got a lot of data. You got a lot of communication link, mm -hmm. right? It's complex. It's highly efficient, right? It's like... And it's producing thermodynamic effects, right? Like your body runs at almost 100 Fahrenheit your whole life. And if it drops by a few Fahrenheit, you know, it's a coronal engine. Like if it drops by a few Fahrenheit, 
you're not happy you're, that day. Right, you're right. having a really bad day, yeah, right? No, it's true. maintaining a very, very slight, like, acid level, you know, like, very, very fine degree of, like, pH. If the pH drops by 0 0.3, 0 0.4, you're not around anymore, right? Like, I mean, it's, like, really tuned, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, woo, this machine is, like, going, woo. <laughs> you know, and, and it's no, producing right. heat, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, and it, and 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 heat can be equated to energy transfer, right? And and What's information that? transfer, okay. and so you can think of it as okay. Then the body is like an antenna, right? Like a conduit for information transfer absolutely and the result is that at one point this thermodynamic effect that's your body is able to like start doing stuff right it can it's like it the minerals in the water in you that makes up your body starts doing stuff right and as it does stuff it's I'm getting warm as you're telling yeah. me to <laughs> Continue, continue. Oh my gosh! It's interesting though because it's 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 absolutely. I'm following. It. Obviously, this is a very complex uh, answer to the to the question, but you're doing a fabulous job. So then, so then you can start to think as the body and the human, uh, as a human antenna, like as a bio oscillating crystal, mm -hmm. right? Like uh, like in the old radio sets where you had a crystal that you would tune to different frequency, right, right. and so. You know, now y y you can think of it as, oh, you know, like everybody's tuned to a little bit different frequency. That's why all of our bodies look a little different, mm -hmm. right? And we pick up different sets of information from the field. Like if we look at an object between you and I, we're going to see different sides oh, absolutely. of it. absolutely. So, well, right. And we may even be interpreting the entire apple, I always say, at the, in the middle of the table differently. So, yes. Right. Yeah. And see different colors and, mm -hmm. you know, like... And so we are actually feeding information back to the field a little differently. So then the feed, the feed forward that when we feed it to the field, then it feeds back a little different set of information to each one of us. And that makes our little human antenna a little different. So we all pick up various, so, so you see the fractality of the antenna is like from the Planck field, the proton, the electron, the cells, the agglomeration of cells, all the organs, they're all like fractal, you know, dimension change mm. uh, from the fundamental field. Did you get that? <laughs> <laughs> Might have to meditate. Luckily, on it, we'll, we'll be able to watch over and over and over again. But, you know, fundamentally, it does make sense, Nassim. And again, everything that you're saying goes back to the, the first thing that we talked about. And that's a universe on purpose. Consciousness being self-organizing. Right. Reciprocity mm. between us, the antenna, and the field. Right. Reciprocity. A constant motion. Yeah, exactly. In motion. No stagnancy, and that brings me to something else. I would, I'm looking, trying to look through my notes here, my copious notes I took. In terms of, in terms of motion, we think. Let's think of consciousness as movement. Let's just see. see yeah. I'm going to say this, and let's see if it makes sense. 
I think what I, I want to ultimately get to is, can there ever be a cessation, even momentarily, of consciousness, meaning a still point? If consciousness is motion, yep. because that's what we're talking about here. Yeah, like Constant. thermodynamics you know, and all this. You understand it that way, I don't, but yes. Yeah. Um, have you ever run into a situation where you've seen, even at the subatomic, especially at the subatomic level, a momentary cessation, a still of point? Of motion? No. Wow. <laughs> um, I had a feeling that would be the answer. Yeah. I thought I'd ask. Well, but that's uh, huge. Yeah, I mean, all motions in all universes, including us, combined together would produce still stillness, right? Huh. So you could think that the center of all motion is stillness. Mm -hmm. um, because in order for something to spin, it needs an axe in the, in the middle yeah. that holds it to, this, to the angular moment. So uh, that would be singularity, right? It would be so... Okay. Uh, but then when I dig into singularity, I could find smaller and smaller spins, right? They all cancel out, but I'd have to go to infinity to get absolute wow. cancellation. Right, so but they would be gradients of cancellation, meaning it, there'd be more stillness, more stillness, and more stillness, or less stillness, less stillness. Less, uh -huh, I'm following. Uh, yeah, so um, that's a fractal model, right? Is it not, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So, so all the summation of all spins is stillness, but it never gets there. But it never gets there. Yeah, because okay. if it did. It would be the end, right? Ah. It would have nowhere to go. I can go. tell you like that it, question I asked. Yeah. Because it really it is kind of exotic. It is. Right. And when I was thinking about it, I'm like, now my my immediate sense is that no, there is no stillness. And this brings me to somewhat of a philosophical question. But I I just feel like I'm being pulled in this direction to to bring this up. There's stagnancy in the way, let's, let's take this to human behavior, and some of the things that people are going through in terms of uh, their life is not where they want it to be. Mm -hmm. Because there's stagnancy, there's stillness, and they're not moving. They're not moving. Therefore, even though the energy has to be moving, it's moving at such a snail's pace, there's no change taking place. You're acting counter to the natural order of what you're describing. Mm -hmm. That's right. Do you know what I'm saying? This, yeah. this just hit me. So I've always been a proponent of movement, even if it's moving objects in your room, mm -hmm. to movement in your behavior, mm -hmm. movement of emotion. Forgive me for going off on a tangent here, but I just felt the need to bring this up because this all equates to what you're talking about. No, but that's we right. We are working against nature. Right. Right. Or, or we have this illusion of stillness, this illusion of like slow motion, right? Like, for instance, we think right now we're sitting on chairs and we're not moving, right? right. Oh, yeah, but yeah. we're on a planet that's going thousands of miles per second, you know, through space. Like, uh, in this, in a, I mean, if you calculate with, with the solar system moving through the galaxy and the galaxy is moving through, you know, the cluster and the cluster through the supercluster. So yeah, we're like yeah. hurling through space yeah. right yeah. now. Yeah. But we're all sitting here thinking, wow, think it it's, so. it's pretty mellow. 
you know, nothing's happening, yeah. right? Because of our frame of reference. Uh, we have a tendency to think we're isolated from the rest of the stuff. So, for instance, yesterday I was giving this example. People think they can make a circle. Like, they, people think they can make a, you know, a circle that closes on itself. Like, that they can draw such a thing in space. Meaning, like, you can start here and say, okay, that's 12 o'clock and I'm going to go back around to 12 o'clock, right? But by the time you've gone to 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, and come back to 12, you've moved hundreds of miles. Yeah, yeah, right? wow. So you haven't closed the circle yet, right? And you're never going to be able you to. You never, it's, it's a, a it's, revolution, revolution, right. yeah. It's a spiral through space. Wow, you wow, know? all makes sense. So, so movement is really kind of an esoteric thing. It's not a linear thing. It's not obvious oh, to describe movement. Right, it, right. It, you know, a physicist can struggle with this. There's fractional problems in describing motion. So that is, you can say, my hand left point A and arrived at point B in this time. And that from there I can calculate the velocity of my hand. And my statement, if it was accurate, would have to start with within an isolated system. Meaning if I isolated my hand from the rest of the universe. Mm -hmm. Because if I don't, then I calculate, if I'm really honest about how I'm calculating, I would have to say, well, when my hand was moving from point A to point B, mm -hmm. although it appeared to three miles an hour to me, actually it was spinning on the earth, so it, I have to add the rotation of saying. the earth. Yes. And yes. now I gotta add the rotation of the sun because the earth is rotating in the frame of reference of the sun. And then there's the rotation of the galaxy. And I, I mean, I keep adding these speeds Add to my hand yeah. and very, very quickly my hand is going millions of miles Isn't per second. That's stunning, uh, but true, that makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. And so you exceed the speed of light. So what is what is my hand doing then? Right. How is it going from point A to point B? Like, you start losing your mind. And that's why physicists don't go there. They go, oh, well, you know, we'll just make... <laughs> you can, though. We'll, we'll just assume a closed system, right? right? We'll just assume an isolated system. Um, but and, and it's practical to do that. You know, if you're trying to land a plane, you know, you you got to be able to to calculate. But, but if you're trying to, like, figure out the universe and how it works, then that's not useful. Right. So now you gotta find another solution. You can't do it in a vacuum, in other words, you cannot. Yeah. Right, so I, the only thing you can say that would be true is that my hand is undoing itself, redoing itself, undoing itself, redoing itself, a little bit aside from each other mm -hmm. at very high speed, at the speed of light, right. right? And I can't tell because it's like a movie, right? It looks continuous, but it's frames. This is, again, something is, this is the scientist, I'm the philosopher, because there is a philosophy to what you're saying. So here's the other thing that comes up in my mind, if I don't lose it, this is a very esoteric idea. If I, I thought I was going to lose the thought, but it came right back. Perhaps this is where the ancients in various um, ways expressed the illusory nature of reality. Because what 
what we're thinking we're doing and calculating is the illusion. It's not real. Do, do you understand what I'm right. saying? We hear that, that Maya is illusion, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, we hear that throughout uh, the, the wisdom teachings. Mm -hmm. They must have known this on some level. Reality, to, to, a greatest, to a great extent, is illusory from that perspective. Absolutely. I, I, I like to say, um, you know, the statement that reality is an illusion is equal to the statement that everything is real. Say that one more time. Uh, the statement that reality is an illusion right, uh -huh. is equal to the statement that everything is real, meaning... Yes, right? I think I understand. Yeah. Okay. So, meaning that, you know, if you say everything is an illusion, mm -hmm. and you're calling that reality, mm -hmm. then you can flip it, rearrange the equation, and say everything is real, right? Because what you're describing as a reality is is an illusion. Mm -hmm. So it it um, and and so so what I mean by that. So I'm just gonna like let's let's remove everything is an illusion from the spiritual uh, perspective and say everything is real and say. That means that all the experiences that people are having, all the spiritual stuff that people are experiencing, mm -hmm. is real. I, I, yeah. You see? I get this. I, yes. You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So it, it, and yet I, it seems paradoxical at first blush, but no, right. I, I think I understand what you're saying. Right. Wow. So, so that means that the statement of a physicist that's very materialistic and says, all I, I study is reality means that what they're studying is all the stuff that we experience. Right. The experience. But they don't know that. They think that they can isolate the atom and say, I'm only looking at the atom. Right. But then when they look really carefully at the atom, they go, oh my God, the Isn't electron that... could be anywhere in the universe at right. any time, right? Right. right. It is so... Fascinating it's stuff. It's not so clear. It's not so clear. No. And it is. Yeah. That's the paradox. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> These moments of clarity, of lucidity, where we have those spiritual experiences, where complex, as complex as what you describe is clear to the person even instantaneously it's complex mm -hmm. and clear at the same time right. i know we probably only have a few minutes left and there's as always much i will not be able to get to but i have to can't uh, have a proper nasim conversation without talking about speaking of illusion let's talk about time for a little bit we we've touched on this but the, the measurement of time and consciousness and here's here's a, speaking of einstein uh i, I want to quote him he says people like us who believe People like us who believe in physics know the distinction between past, present, and future is only a stubbornly persistent illusion. Right. Um, this was uh, from... This all fits in, right, with what we're talking about. Yeah, because Einstein field equations doesn't prohibit, you know, uh, time travel. And so... Uh, that was a conclusion from Einstein, like future, past, present mm -hmm. are malleable, mm -hmm. yes. right? Time is malleable. Right, right. Time 
can be different from two different frame of reference. Yes. Right? Uh, we can measure it. We can measure it in planes with very sensitive clocks. Planes that are flying at certain speed, passage of time, than a person on the surface of the planet. That's amazing to me. And so we know that time can shrink, can stretch, um, and, and so it, it's not like a linear thing. The passage of time is not an obvious thing, but, but what do we really mean when we say time? This is something that I examined early on, mm -hmm. and this is why I changed the word space-time to space-memory. I remember you saying that in our last conversation, yes. Because without memory, there is no time. Without memory, there is no time. If we don't know that the instant just passed, we can't tell that there is a linear concept mm -hmm. or linear evolution, right? Because every well, that's part of relativity, isn't it? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So, so, but, but it's not resolved in relativity. Mm -hmm. That is, Einstein described space-time, but never said what it was made of. Right. How it worked. Uh, it described that it could curve and produce gravitational fields, but it didn't say what space-time itself. And, um, and so this is where I went, and I realized space-time is information. So that means that the linear passage of time is us tapping into information, hmm. right? Hmm. What we call memory right. of an instant before. So, time is information on the structure of space yes, that yes. has been laid in a linear function that you're able to access. So, that would mean that past moments are not disappeared. They are recorded on the structure of space. Right. They are in the field. Yes. Well, this we only have five minutes left. I got the five-minute warning. <laughs> we're going to have, okay, well, this is going to be a cliffhanger, too, because we're going to talk more about time. Thoughts? Briefly, if you can, then on the simultaneity of time, a, a, right. a concept that's always intrigued me and always resonated with me, even as a not a youngster, but a young adult, I would say. Right. The linear model, I just never bought. <laughs> right. Well, you know, it's not even um, scientifically accurate, the linear model. Um, so it, I absolutely, I think, you know, I think a lot of people have these instinctive notion yeah. that time is parallel, you know, that time is quantized, that, that events in the past are still present in some kind of memory in, in the universe, in, the, in space. And, you know, this is why we can't find memory in the brain, meaning we, we find that, you know, it's not storing it's accessing. It's yes. accessing information that's in the structure of space. It's like as the world evolves, as we move through space, we're, we're, we're leaving a trace of information of all the things that are happening. And when we remember them, it's because we're accessing those points and literally in the coordinates of space-time where we left them. Right, yeah. right. I think we brought this to a, an elegant conclusion <laughs> because everything 
Thank you so much. Everything that we have touched on and all of its complexity still comes down to the, this fundamental C word that's driving all of this. And uh, you've just done a, a brilliant job in doing that. We've got a lot to ponder here. Yeah. A I'm, lot to think about. It's, but, it's, it's opening a new door. It's absolutely. not a simple door. It is complex. Right. But I think the puzzle pieces come together. And if you can, like, kind of relax your preconceived ideas about the world. That is the key. And, yeah. And then open to these new ideas. Then it starts to come together. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Tell us in our closing minutes what's going on with the Resonance Academy, because I know that's alive and well. Yeah, we're, we're, we have the Resonance Academy uh, course, the Delegate Program is very popular. We're in like, I don't know how many countries now, thousands of people are taking it. We just opened the French translation of the course. Oh, great. Yeah, so great. I'm really happy about that. You know, the, the Francophonie, you know, will be happy to be able to take the course. And so we're, we're really excited to to um, to welcome all the French people, welcome. and and yes. then we'll have the you know question and answers in French as well every month and all this stuff. Or so it's monthly. It's yeah, monthly. Yeah. Okay. And um, the course you can take at any time. Mm -hmm. And uh, but we'll we have question and answers, and mm -hmm. people can That's talk brilliant. to us. And the delegate program as well is now, you know, part of uh, like the research team I work with, you know, mm -hmm. because it's not just me. I work with other physicists, you know, that are very well, um, you know, accomplished and are going to be coming more and more embedded in the delegate program so people can have more access to them as mm -hmm. well mm -hmm. and talk to them and discuss things. And so, so that's really very exciting and we're redoing the whole website wow. and modernizing and give as us well, the website name again i'm sorry give, give us the website name because i know people are going to want to go there immediately yeah yeah the website name is resonance.is that's right, right. resonance.is yeah okay. that is so how did you get that how uh, did you get an is i, I didn't well, even know there was it, such a thing yeah i know it's it's iceland Oh. <laughs> but we used it as a play on word. Resonance is. is. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And um, yeah. And so basically, um, you know, people can go there and they can see, you know, and participate. And it's so fun because then we have like chats with people all around the world. You get to connect with people around the world. And you're still leading some of them, not all of them, right? How, how does that work? Or do you lead all of them? Well, I, I definitely every month answer questions and people can talk to me okay. and for like real two time. hours. Yeah, real time oh, on okay. Zoom. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, how it's great. And then they can connect yeah. with each other in all the cities around the world. And then a few times a year, we all, well, the ones that can, go to uh, sacred sites with right. us. That was my next question. What's coming up next for the sacred journey? Oh, yeah. We're going to Rapa Nui in <gasps> April. So excited. Um, you know, we did Egypt and then Peru was all, you know, like both of them were like, over the top and I'm now sure. yeah. and then like um, Rapa Nui and then we're going to Mexico in October um, and we're gonna have a gathering in Santa Cruz this summer we have so much stuff going on going on yeah. and so can people find that schedule as well at resonance.is yes okay <laughs> go there make sure you go there we're gonna wrap it up Nassim 
come here. <laughs> Thank you so Thank you. much. Thank you. Always enjoy you. And again, this is a cliffhanger. We're going to come back. Let's come back and talk about time a bit more. I think that's intriguing, don't you? Absolutely. Can we do that? Absolutely. Deal? At another time. All right. Another time. In another memory. <laughs> In another memory. Yes. But it's all simultaneous. So anyway, right. we're going to keep talking, but we're going to say goodbye for now, Journey. You're so glad you tuned in. And thank you so much. Thank Once you again, so much. Listen. Okay. Bye-bye.